Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft. Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, and you're listening to Latinos and Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Jesus Reyes with me with the Legacy Group. He's a vice president of capital raising with the company. And um, he's an economist by trade. He spent 15 years working for HSBC in a multitude of capacities in private wealth, credit risk management, investment banking. Furthermore, Jesus worked for a bank in multiple countries. And prior to leaving HSBC, Jesus was a global account manager for the bank's relationship with other world largest accounting and consulting firm. Jesus, welcome to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. Uh, thank you for taking your time. And I look forward to having this conversation with you and learning. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Because I know that me <laughs> reading your bio didn't do enough justice. No, I, and listen, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for, for having me. And, and thank you very much for your listeners to listeners for tuning in. Uh, it's quite interesting that we're having this conversation today, the day after we begin Hispanic Heritage Month. So I'm very, very, right. very happy to, to be here. I'm a fellow Hispanic. I'm originally from, from Venezuela, as you would have guessed by the name. There aren't that many gringos for the Pesos. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Beautiful so country, been, by the way. I, I, I went to Venezuela when I was, uh, all those, I, I was 11, 12 years old. I, my my aunt lived there for many years. So beautiful, and oh, I right. went to a place called in Caracas, El Junquito. El Junquito, great, great area. Anyways, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I, just, yeah. I just had that thought, and I <laughs> great. No, I appreciate it, and I'm glad to hear there's people out here who have who have good memories of Venezuela. So yeah, I said, I'm originally from Venezuela, been in the U.S. for for 22 years. Went to school here in the U.S. and like I mentioned I worked for HSBC most of my most of my career. I'm an economist by trade. Um, multiple roles here in the U.S., but also uh, with the bank in, in Latin America. My big focus has always been Latin America. Um, so throughout the years, uh, different multi, uh, roles covering commodities, trading companies, construction companies, uh, telecom companies all throughout Latin America. So from Argentina up to uh, to Mexico. Then in 2018, I was actually stationed down there in, in, in Buenos Aires with the bank. And it's a fantastic experience of seeing seen economies um, restart and then turns and turns in life. Then at the beginning of this year, I actually joined um, the beginning of this half of the year, I should say, I, I joined the team at, at Legacy Group. Uh, Legacy Group is an institution, it's an alternative asset manager that tar targets uh, impact investing opportunities um, in Latin America. So I think it was finally one of those things where I'm like, oh, all, all my all my different circles of influences are, are coming together, right? So it's it's impact investing is Latin America. Um, I get to do that out of, out of Miami um, and then go back and forth to, to Colombia as, as need be. And uh, so that's 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 who I am. Um, that's fantastic. I know that you guys are doing a lot of neat things in in um, in, in real estate and, and how you guys invest. First of all, for those that don't know what impact investing means, can you please elaborate on what that means? No, and actually, I think that's a great question. And I'll, and I'll answer it with an example, and then I'll go into it. So yesterday came out the news, the owner of 
Patagonia has decided to uh, give his company away to a trust so that way they can go and take all the profits and invest it into programs that are helping save the improve the environment. Yes. That's impact investment. Impact investment is when your company is not only delivering profits and returns for its investors, for its shareholders, but the strategy and the, the decisions that they're taking have a positive impact in the community and the environment where they belong, right? So that may be uh, things such as being um, being green, right? So you install solar panels, so that way they can be the source of power for your, for your plants, or you put in place uh, new technology so that way you can uh, reduce water consumption by 20,000 gallons a year. Or you decide, you know what, I'm going to stop using mules and horses and oxen in my farms so that instead of I'm going to use electric scooters to be able to move around the farms, right? That's all impact investing. You're creating a positive impact to the environment. Then you have the point of um, the social impact, right? Social impact means I am going to focus my strategy in making sure that I'm employing um, minorities, I'm employing uh, communities at risk, I'm, you know, I'm going to focus on creating jobs for single mothers, and I'm going to put the infrastructure in place. Those single mothers have where to put their, have their kids be looked after while they're at their work. That's what, high, what social and, and impact investing is. You're doing more than just generating very nice profits. You're giving back to the community you're giving back to the environment. You're helping the communities to also create wealth, which is kind of like similar to what a lot of your listeners uh, are are looking at, at doing. Correct. Okay. So, how does um, legacy, the legacy group, now tell us how you guys Perfect. are doing that, Absolutely. and how you guys tie it all together? Absolutely. That's that's, that's a great great question. So, legacy group been around now for a bit over five years, uh, and in 2017, we actually acquired a group. Uh, called Green Coffee Company. We are a U.S. company that has operations throughout uh, Colombia. Uh, we are actually Colombia's largest coffee producer, one of the many milestones of which we're very, very proud to actually have achieved. Uh, we have over 25 farms in, in the area of, of Antioquia in, in Colombia. So Great coffee, are, too. It's, it's coffee, It's amazing coffee. Exactly. So, so we're, we're very proud. We're very proud mm-hmm. of what we've achieved because not only are we uh, in pace to continue to deliver great, great returns for our investors, but we're delivering great things for the community, right? So from the environment standpoint, some of those examples I was mentioning, so solar panels, we've installed solar panels in our farm, so we're moving away from fossil fuel power to green energy power, right? Um, we're doing things as we don't use plastic in any of our processes, so that way we're not putting any plastic into the environment because we know the first plastic bag that was ever created it's still floating somewhere around the world because it's still, it won't degrade, right? Um, so those are some of the things that we have been doing from the environmental standpoint. We're also doing things like we have changed our technology so that we can save tens of thousands of gallons of water a year in, in the process that we do to be able to farm and, and process um, the coffee cherry and, and the beans. So that's some of the things that we have been doing, right? over these last five years, and we'll continue to do as we continue to grow. That's on the environmental side. On the on the social side, um, some of the examples that I mentioned are some of the examples of things that we have done, right? So we hire locally. Uh, all of our staff are actual employees of the firm who receive a bi-weekly paycheck. And I know it may sound a little bit 
like, duh, you're supposed to. That's what happens. But in the agricultural business, and especially in Latin America, that's not the case. Most of those uh, farms and most of the company, you don't have employees who have a biweekly paycheck that have a pension plan and they have um, health insurance and they've got all these fringe benefits. And most of us who may have been employed in corporate America are accustomed to receiving. So those are some of the impact investment on the social side that we have actually been doing, which I think speak very highly to what our founders, right? So, so Cole and, and Adam, who started the company five years ago, believe, right? Not only being able to us deliver for, for ourselves and for our shareholders great returns, but also being able to give ensure that our staff, right, that our employee, our people, and the community that, that we surround are better off today than they were yesterday by actually having us as being part of the community. Which I think it, it speaks highly, I think, of, of any company that's doing things like that, not to toot our own horn, but because we want to make sure that, again, we will have kids or I have kids or you have kids and want to make sure that they're going to get something better, just more than just a nice bank account, right? Because what, what does it make, what good is it if I have a lot of money in my account, but I can't really enjoy it because there's no clean drinking water, there's no clean air, right? And then for this community, especially in rural South America, I mean, we're helping them create wealth so that way they can, if they so choose to, be able to go and leave rural areas and be able to get better education and be able to sort of leave what could potentially be a sort of a, a circle of repetition what prior generations have done because all what you can do is go and pick coffee well there's yeah. hopefully we're, we're giving people opportunity to to be able to choose for themselves and not have their their futures chosen for them so what's your business model? You guys sell coffee? I mean, is that it? I mean, I get what you're doing because we do something similar, but not exactly to in your, I explained to you earlier, we, we're in the affordable housing space. Where's the real estate component to what you do and how do you turn your profit? Absolutely. Great. So we are actually a coffee grower and producer, right? So we have tens of thousands of acres of producing farmland throughout Colombia that are producing tens of thousands of pounds of coffee cherry per right. day. So our money is made from the production and commercialization of coffee beans. So right selling now, coffee beans. Correct. We're selling coffee beans in green. So I, what I'll do a little parenthesis for everyone to, to, to know. So coffee comes from a tree and comes in, in a cherry. Okay. Right? So imagine any cherry, maybe the size of a grape, maybe small, maybe bigger. And in there you have two to three coffee beans, which is okay. what you end up seeing in your in, in, in the coffee bag. We own the entire chain from the nursery where we have a team of single mothers planting the, the pots so that way we, we can actually have our own supply of, of trees that we go and take into the farms and we plant. And then we've got a team who's actually going and nursing them throughout the, the, the year and then harvesting the beans that then are put into our into our uh, facilities, our processing mills, and then we go and get the, the bean and that bean gets washed, gets dried, then puts in, in, in bags and it's then gone out and sold into the market for the lives of like the Starbucks and the such, right? And then they will take that coffee, then they'll roast it and then they'll make their blends and then go and sell into supermarkets and, and, and the such. So our business is a business, the business of growing coffee so that way we can go out to the market and sell it to those participants who have that direct-to-consumer business where they're selling either ground coffee or coffee beans for you to go and enjoy your 
your morning journal so that way you can actually be <laughs> able to get on with your day and start your day most likely gotta, gotta tell you sounds like a recession proof business everyone drinks coffee no matter what i'm exactly. curious to know how did you guys do how did the company do during 2000 and uh, the last great theory, the, during the Great Recession in 2008. Great, great question. So we've been around only since 2017. So we are mm. both post that one. But I, what I'll say is this: it's correct when you think about. Uh, and I always joke and I say that 98 percent of Western world needs what we make in order to be able to actually speak to their significant others in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, it's, I, think it's, I, I, I don't want to say, I'm not giving anyone advice, but I'm going to say this is pretty, exactly. It's like, pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. Let's be honest. Like, I, 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 like, I, no, I don't want to talk to you, my son. I'm like, I haven't had coffee, so yeah, right, go and do 10 push-ups. Give it, give it time. <laughs> uh, but it is, exactly. So it, it is, it is necessity that, most of us in the Western world have, and, and it's growing further and further in, in Asian and Eastern cultures, consumption of coffee, right? We are in the business of producing that basic staple that most companies, again, like I mentioned, like Nestle's and, and, and Starbucks and Nespresso need in order to be able to supply us with, with coffee. We're very proud of, of course, our coffee um, it's very good quality. No, I'm saying just because it's ours, but also because we're able to tell you once I deliver this bag of 70 kilos of, of, of coffee at your door, call it Mr. Client who's gone by, I can say hand over heart that from the moment that being was in a nursery all the way until I deliver it to you, I have been responsible for it. So I'm able to tell you that that impact investing has been truly delivered in this product that I'm getting to you at your doors. So I'm very proud of it because, of course, it's the team and people that we have throughout the chain, right? Out in Salgad, in Medellin, and here in the U.S., we're very proud of what we're doing, and we're ensuring that throughout this whole process, we are delivering not only for so that our shareholders can receive um, appreciation on their investment and profits, but also the environment is also benefiting from it. So it's something very, very unique that only us can really say about it in mm -hmm. in Colombia. Just because, of course, I I have the entire value chain thereof. Other brands in the U.S. they yeah they do sell Colombian coffee, but they're buying from someone such as ourselves, and then they go on to to do their uh, direct to consumer component, and they'll go and roast it, and they'll combine it with other with other coffee beans to make their specific blends and and whatnot. We are unique in the fact that we actually control our entire uh, supply chain. And we, our goal is to then, of course, continue growing into that um, that path of being able to deliver now to our customers, not just green bean, but also roasted bean. And right. that goes to, to, to the component of our aim is to then continue to grow as, as we've been growing, to be able to get ourselves into having a U.S. presence where we can import our own coffee from from Colombia and be able to roast it here in the U.S. and then be able to deliver to the market a, a roasted coffee component. Um, another thing that I'm very, very excited and goes to this impact investing is, you, you'll hear it more often now, is the no-waste economy, right? I hate using the, the word no-waste, but really what we're trying to do, especially in, in, our, in our business, in, in Green Coffee Company, which is our portfolio company in, in the coffee space, is that we are we have, I should say, decided that we're going to try to use everything that is involved in the process of making 
coffee to generate the least amount of waste and the highest return for our investors. So mm. right now, I take the cherry, I wash it, I cut it, I take the, the, the beans out, then the pulp gets discarded, right? That's, that's waste. Well, it's about a 80% of the cherry gets thrown out because I only use the bean. But we have found out that we can take that cherry, the pulp, and then we can go and ferment it, and we can make ethanol from that. And ethanol is the basis for alcohol, right? I can make wow. vodka, gin, and brandy. So one of the goals that we have in trying to be as conscientious for our stakeholders and the environment and our shareholders is, you know what? Let's not go and throw this cherry out. Let's actually go and make, make some money out of it. Let's not create more waste. Let's go and ferment it. Let's go and distill it. And let's go and make some, some vodka. So our aim is by 2024, use our entire harvest to make some ethanol and be able to do generate about 38,000 bottles of of vodka uh, per day. That's really so, impressive. Um, that will re reduce significantly our amount of waste, but also it's going to increase significantly the revenue that the company is going to be able to generate. So our aim, hopefully by 2025, is that we'll be a company that not only generates revenue from selling coffee, either green or roasted, but also a company that's generating revenue from from the sale of alcohol that's been that has its origins in in a coffee cherry. And then also, last but not least, there's one last uh, byproduct of the process. Once you wash the bean, it creates this white film. It's called parchment. That parchment is very rich in antioxidants. And so people who are in the tea business or people who are in the pharma business have an interest in getting that parchment because they can, of course, use it to create byproducts and for which they can sell. So our goal is to be able to take the entire cherry and be able to maximize its value thereof by actually generating revenue off of it. So again, increasing our revenue to the maximum possible point, generating profits by also helping the environment by not generating any waste. So that's some of the stuff that we've been doing for, that's our business model, that's what we're trying to do, that's, that's, our, that's our goal. Um, as you guys know or may not know or heard me before, always talk about business is an intellectual sport. And this is a really good example into business being an intellectual sport. Here, these really smart people that took some time to think, they, they buy real estate to sell coffee, to grow coffee. And they take now, they figured out a way by putting some think time, figure out a way to take what they would normally waste to create another revenue of income. That's brilliant, right? And this took some time and some thought, and this didn't happen overnight. You have some smart people in your leadership team. I can tell just by this conversation and with the concept that you just told me, and some disciplined people that actually gave us some thought and figured, hey, how can we maximize the profits on what we're doing? And to to you, listener, maybe listening right now, and you may be saying, hey, but what does this have to do with real estate? Well, this is not really much to do with real estate. This particular conversation, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what it does have to do, if there's anything that I'm taking away from it, is the power of thinking, right? The power of spending some time to think on how you can make things better. And this is what this group has done. The legacy group is doing is figuring how they can zero waste impact investing and how to make things better. And if you only took some time to think, if you want to be an entrepreneur, whatever business it is, entrepreneur, real estate, whatever the business is, it's going to require some think time. It's going to require some strategy, strategizing time. It's going to require some, how can I make this work? 
And Jesus, along that, along those lines, we're doing that you're an economist by trade. I heard a joke once, and you, I hope you find it funny. God made economists <laughs> to make astrologers look, look smart, <laughs> <laughs> to make astrologers look good. Uh, just because a lot of economists, they just gas and they get a lot of things more wrong than Absolutely. they do, right? Um, not saying that, you know, that's you. I just thought that was funny. You be it, it is, it is funny. And, and I think that that saying and a broken, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. And those are probably the two best sayings that would actually describe an, an economist. Absolutely. It's any economist that tells you that they're going to get it right. Uh, they're probably already wrong. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I mean, when you think about it, like, and I, Listen to some of your some of your episodes, and around you talk about you talk about inflation and mm-hmm. rates and whatnot. Like mm-hmm. my my interest on inflation rate may be completely different because if I have no debt and I'm lending to people, I want rates to be up, right? But if I'm someone yeah. that's got leverage, I'm saying, oh, oh, no, no, I want rates lower. So yeah. the, the Federal Reserve and, and any monetary policy uh, setting uh, organism, it's never going to be able to to be able to appease everyone. So quote unquote, they're always going to get it wrong on the eyes of someone, right? Because you raise rates too much. I don't like it. Oh, you didn't raise rates enough. I don't like it either. So, yeah, absolutely. Economists, we're, we're, uh, we're in that group of people that happen to get things more often than not wrong and still wrong. get to keep their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's which right. Is, which, is, which is the most important part, right? They, yeah, they get to I've keep their that. jobs. <laughs> I've heard that before. So, I mean, I'd just like to get your thought, your perspective. You know, we're, we're in a changing environment, right? As you know, um, with inflation, as you mentioned a moment ago, um, I, unemployment is on the rise. I, I think that a lot of it is not being showed on the media. A lot of it is, uh, I think there's a lot more bad news that's not being told to the regular American people, except for people like us that are studying and looking and paying attention. And But it's going to be mainstream real soon. I think after the election here in November, a lot of the stuff is going to be mainstream. That's another story. But i just like to get your take as to what you're seeing and what you uh, your professional opinion as to how, what do you see unfolding here over the next 18, 24 months with the feds going in the direction that they're going with this? So, yeah. And, and I'll say, and there's two questions there. Number one on, on, for your listeners and the real estate, yeah, like you mentioned, we are constantly, constantly buying real estate. And I'll just sort of give you a, a little bit of a glimpse. I mean, we have our land holdings and that's what we mostly acquire of course, because I need, agricultural land to be able to grow our farms, right? Um, and to be able to, to grow our, our, our coffee. I mean, our expectation, uh, so just, you know, so in 2018, we bought 607 acres of producing land in, in Colombia. In 2020, about 1,700 acres of land. A lot of land. Uh, 2021, we bought 2,100 acres of land mm. our goal for this year is to acquire at least 1900 acres of land and then our expectation is by the end of 2023 of next year that we will have acquired an additional 8.5 thousand acres of land so this is there is a there is a real estate uh component, component for, to it. For, absolutely for your clients for, for your listeners to know so like yes yeah, we not only that we're looking at buying land here in the u.s so that we can actually set an industrial complex so that we can actually go and roast our coffee, right? And potentially also having distillation in the event that once we start having our, our ethanol production, we need to go then and convert that into, into vodka. So there is a land component here and there's a real Absolutely. estate component access for this. So I just wanted to, to make sure that your listeners... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on your question on inflation, why not? yes, there is inflation. 
again, this is kind of like when you look at when you're studying economics and you kind of try to do a formula to be able to figure out what's going to happen, right? There's a gazillion potential different um, outcomes, variables, and then of course, there's even more outcomes uh, possible given on given given how many variables you, you have put in. Yes, there's inflation. There's this this inflation that we're that we are experiencing now started because there was a supply side issue, right? We went into lockdown. We went into issues with with production capacity uh, jams in the supply chain and our ports work. So there's all the stuff that started causing our inability to get to the consumers the assets that they needed. So we started driving inflation up because we still have a lot of us had money, right? We're getting all this this um, economic support from the different central governments and that was what was going on. So we created this inflation. Now we have this inflation we're trying to control. Um, there's two ways in which we can actually grow our economy, right? Is by the consumption side. And now we have a very, um, we have pressure to continue to consume because you don't want to lose the value of the assets that I have in my pocket, right? I don't want my dollar to be worth less. So if today I can buy a, a whole loaf of bread. I don't want to then only be able to acquire half a loaf of bread by a year now. Mm-hmm. So I'm buying it today. So that kind of um, and the only way that the Federal Reserve is going to be able to bring that inflation under control, right? Because there's so much the Federal Reserve can control from international markets is we have to in- increase interest rates. We have to give consumers an incentive to save, to deliver, to stop consuming, right? Or to stop consuming extra, which is what really is going to happen. Because we, at the end of the day, we're all going to have to pay for our housing for those who rent. We're all going to have to pay for our cars and not. But the question is, all that additional expenditure that is happening, how do we get to control it? The Federal Reserve, differently than any other central bank around the globe, with the reputation that it has, that it's got a dual mandate, right? So it's full employment and an inflation target of 2%. 2%. And that is a very, very difficult balancing act to get, right? Because at times they've got competing interests. Mm-hmm. So technically, we have decided our natural unemployment rate was 6% and lowered to 4% because we breached that 6% and inflation wasn't picking up. So, so now the Federal Reserve in a place, in my opinion, where they say, you know what, those 75 basis points up to 100 basis point rate hikes are feasible because I need to bring that inflation target under control. And if I bring in employment up to 6% or 5%, I can quote unquote afford it because it's still below that natural employment rate that I've sort of set that economists, my fellow colleagues in the economics world, mm-hmm. have, said, have said as here's the, net, the minimum rate of, of mm-hmm. inflation that I, of unemployment that I can have and not cost unwanted inflation. So sadly, yes, we're, we're heading into that, into that direction. Um, as an economist, I've sort of, I'm going to call it brainwash. Okay, this is the parameters that we're going to, we're going to use to read inflation and CPI and um, economic growth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, a 0.1% decrease month over month is negligible. Yes, it's negligible. Hopefully, it'll continue to, to be that way and hopefully and continue to, to go down. There are, of course, a lot of things that go into the calculation of, of inflation. So while we've seen the price of um, oil come down significantly, and we have seen the price of gas come down, there's a lot of sticky numbers, right? So normally we are very happy to increase 
prices, but I'm not really happy to go and lower them again, right? So there's some of that. There's the, we've got an economics, we've got leading coincidental and lagging and lagging indicators. And while some of the leading indicators are showing us that there's decrease in in inflationary pressure, there's all things that are still showing a resistance for that inflation to, to come down. And one of them, of course, continues to be uncertainty as to what's going to happen. Now we're approaching winter, what's going to happen? There's still no sufficient gas coming out of uh, going into Europe. What are we going to, what's going to happen? I think that there's a lot of noise, but then you realize in the US, I don't really depend on whatever gas production there is out of Russia because I don't import it from there. Most mm-hmm. of the um, oil and gas consumption that is used in the US is produced local, produced in Canada. Mm-hmm. Some of it in Mexico gets imported here and we handle it. So from that standpoint, we don't have a supply issue, but of course we are subject to those fluctuations that will happen in international markets. And rightfully so, as a as a producer, you're going to say, wait, wait a second. If the international market is saying that this barrel is should be 98, not 81, okay, fine, we're going to, I'm going to okay. sell it 98, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that, that go there. Um, there is inflation, absolutely. Uh, and we are now in a market, which I still continue to see there's a lack of, of studies related to on the labor side. And the biggest challenge that we actually have is in, on the labor side. There's still two job openings for every American who's looking for a job. Think about it. There's still two. So if I were today to go and pick up, they, I, I would actually have to choose which two of these jobs I actually want to. Want I've to never work, experienced right? that in my life. I've never <laughs> seen that in my life, in my and 44 today, years of life. And think about it. And today we're only at two. Earlier this year, we're almost at four. Yeah, right? I remember that. So a lot of companies have started cutting cutting out or, mm-hmm. or canceling or freezing hiring and whatnot to try to alleviate that pressure. And that's another factor. We just went through a global pandemic where sadly many of us lost loved ones. Um, they were workers. Like, well, we don't want, we haven't realized, I don't think people have gone and done the math. It's like, what, a million people? Mm-hmm. What were the ages? I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there were people who were older and whatnot. But I know people who were my peers. I know three, my age, I'm, I'm 38. So mm-hmm. one was 42, one was, and the other two were 38, who died during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Those are lawyers, those are bankers, those are people who are no longer part of the labor market, right? Mm-hmm. We have a gap. Let's just say that it was 50% of that million people that die were people who were in the, in the labor market. That's a big number of people that we no longer have, right? That's why we have this pressure for higher wages because I need to fill the gaps that those people, I'm using this free example, right? So two bankers and one lawyer that died. We need to fill those. Those are clients that need a banker and need a lawyer. We're not, we've got to get it out of somewhere. And sadly, there's also a massive gap of knowledge because this million people that died, each one of them had a wealth of knowledge in whatever they did that also Absolutely. disappeared. So that's also why we're seeing a little bit of that decrease in production and productivity. Not Absolutely. so much that we're all working from home. It's the fact that all of a sudden we have all this group of people who, who were laid off or who decided to retire early. All these people that died, all of a sudden, I've got these younger people, so my cohorts and people slightly older than us, who may have not been fully ready to take on these this more senior roles. And everyone else got also got shifted up. And you're like, also, you're like, wait a second. I need to sort of do a lot of this trial and error to make sure that I got it right. So that's where it's a lot of combinations. And this is where I go and say in 
on behalf of everyone who's an economist. This is why we at times get it wrong, because there's a lot of components that go into There's a data. human, there's a human element. Exactly, which is why economics, economics is taught in the School of Social Sciences and Humanity, and that's why you graduate with a Bachelor of Arts and not a Bachelor of Science. You get a Master of mm-hmm. Arts, not a Master of Science, because it's not a science. In finance, I can tell you, if interest rates increases, right, the net present value of this cash flow is going to go up or down. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that with certainty. No doubt about form, it. The formula of net present value, future present value, it's, it's set. It's a formula. In economics, I cannot tell you what's going to happen with economic growth if I move the interest rates from 0.25 to 0.75 with 100% certainty because guess what? There's 370 million Americans. Mm-hmm. Each one of them is going to feel that. And guess what? And after I move that rate, the rest of the world, the world goes and says, hold your horses. Yeah. Why am I going to keep my money in year? Why, why won't I go and put it in dollars, right? Yeah. And so we've seen it. So if I bring it back to Green Coffee Company, we've seen, let's just add in La Nina, right? So La Nina has also decimated, by and large, the coffee production out of out of uh out of Brazil, which is the world's largest Arabica coffee producer. And what does that mean? That also means that my the cost for the price that I'm able to go and command in the market when I'm going to say, sell my very high quality Arabica coffee, may, may I ask? <laughs> and also it has just gone up. So yep. there's already, there's there, and again, that's no fault of anyone, right? I, I, that's I don't not know. nature. That's it's just nature, nature, right? Nature's just saying, oh, you think you're going to do that? Well, hold, mm-hmm. here, hold my beer. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Brazil has had very little rain, so now it's on all the, their coffee production is expected to be at like 55% of what it should have been. Mm-hmm. But we've been lucky enough that in Colombia, we had a lot of rain in 2021. So 2022, we've had the right amount of rain and sunshine. So our production, in the case of us in, in Green Coffee Company, we're 11% ahead of plan. Mm. And we're just getting started into the peak season of our harvest, right? So... Our original plan is for this year for a green coffee company to generate about $13 million in revenue and about $2 million in EBITDA. Well, I'm already running ahead of plan. So hopefully it means that my number is going to be close to $15 million in, in, in revenue. It's probably going to be $2 million plus in the tell, EBITDA. Tell people, so please, please tell people what EBITDA stands for. Sure, so EBITDA I'll, is, I'll, absolutely, that's a good yeah, So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's earned before it's taxes, depreciation, interest and, 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 and amortization. Mm-hmm. And it's a financial metric that, that we normally use for in business for profitability and yep. for valuation, right? A lot of companies, once they're going to go public, they'll use that EBITDA and say, okay, fine, we're, we're worth 10 times our EBITDA or 100 yep. times our EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Or EBITDA. So from that standpoint, again, after you've taken account the entire human component of all of our preferences that go into play, then you have to go and say, hello, Mother Nature, which way you want to go today? <laughs> are you going to work with us? Are you going to work against us this time? So basically, I mean, I'm hearing I'm hearing it, the legacy group, because of the business and the nature of the business here. And while you guys buy real estate, obviously, you got to buy the land, yep. which is amazing. But what you guys do unique, the, your uniqueness of what you guys do is that you buy the land, but you also operate the land and you profit from the land Absolutely. opposed to a guy like me that buys the land and puts people to live in it. And I operate it that way. You guys operate it from producing, having the land produced for you. But then again, your land is zoned for multifamily or residential. Mm-hmm. My land is actually zoned for it. And to that point, I will like say, not only do I buy land so that I can grow coffee, but also buy land 
to protect it, right? So over 30, about 30% of every farm that I acquire, it's protected land. I've got, I need to protect it because it's got waterways, because it's got, because um, I need it for, to protect bees or it's a bird sanctuary or it's a forest. I, we do that. So we are, we are not only buying to generate profit, but also buying to protect it because we need it. Let's be honest. If we don't get it, if we don't have bees, <laughs> the whole world yeah. is, is in, a, in, in a world of pain. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is key. So each one of us are using the land for the zoning that it's, it's required to generate the highest value thereof, right? That's fantastic. So in your case, you're doing what you need to do because it's really say it's going to be really expensive. So we're investing in affordable housing. In mm-hmm. our case, we're buying land. We're buying land from families who are saying, I no longer want to be in the coffee business. I, my family's been in this for five generations. I'm done here. Take the, take the land. We'll sell it. We want to go and do something else. For the record, the normal ebb and flow of business, when you look at um, historically, normally after three generations, people want to say, you know what? I no longer want to really be directly involved in the family business. I want to cash out and go and do something else. So we've had this advantage in which we're able to go in and, and work with local with local families who are saying, you know what, we, we've, we're done. We're done. We want to go and do something else where sons want to be lawyers and doctors and engineers and whatnot. They're going to go and do something else. And we've gone in and bought it to ensure that those, those lands, which have been, have been allocated for agricultural business, continue to be used for agricultural business and are continuing to derive the maximum value that we can, we can do from them. I mean, if, if, if I, if I, for instance, been, we're going from, I can say, 25 million trees on our aim again to be able to generate $15 million in revenue this year, $2.5 million in, in EBITDA, where our goal should be able to be by 2025 over $100 million in revenue and over $30 million in, in, in EBITDA. And that's all wealth that we want to create and we want to generate so that our shareholders and our stakeholders, right, our employees and the communities which can benefit and can be better off. So. I think that there's there's multiple ways to skin the cap. There's multiple ways in which we can actually work together mm-hmm. in real estate or in any of our different areas of any of us who are entrepreneur to make the most out of it in a way that not only is helping us secure the the our present but also the future of, of generations while also helping the environment, while yeah. also helping people be able to generate generational wealth that can be transferred on. So that if my son also says that he wants to go and do something else and it's not what I want to do, that's fine. I We have the ability of continuing doing that. I'm the son of an oil man. My grandfather was a welder. So he invested in education so that way his kid could go, go and do whatever he wanted, right? And my dad said he wanted to be an engineer and my dad had three sons and he said, you know what, here I'm going to pay for your education. You can go and do whatever it is that you want to do. And he got two lawyers and an economist, no engineers, right? So it's kind of it's kind of that 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 process where I think we all have to use the talent or the assets that we've got for the best. And I think that's one thing that I'm very proud about what the work that Legacy Group and especially we've been doing in GCC is is doing that. It's using our God-given talents to make sure that we are working closely with the community, our investors, our employees to generate significant high returns but also be able to make the communities where we operate a better place than they were so, five years ago. So if, I, if I'm if i an investor and I'm listening or and I'm really feeling what you're saying and I'm like, man, that's a really unique way and I wanted to partner up with you and Legacy and, and maybe invest because you talked about, you know, you use a lot of fancy words 
which is good about about which is good because people learn right people yeah. people listening to the podcast can learn and you know we're all always learning someone wants to you know maybe invest with you guys Perfect. and maybe i want them i'm like listen i like that maybe i like to diversify my investments and while i'm investing i can also have an impact employed single mothers and everything you mentioned how would we get a hold of you? How would Great. people connect with you? And what deals do you have going on right now? Absolutely. So you- I'll do. I'll do. I'll give you my contact details so that way the, the team, anyone of your listeners, mm-hmm. wants to reach out. So you guys can reach out to me. So my name is Jesus, right? So Jesus Reyes. My email is Jesus. So J E S U S dot R. I see Robert at Legacy Group dot C O. And then to your second question, what you can do. So we have recently launched. So I'm going to say recently, Wednesday of last week. So this, this our, our meeting today to have a conversation is very, very timely. Um, we've launched a $25 million Series C um, We last week. These monies are being raised so that we can continue this, this strategy that we've talked about, buying land, investing land, developing land. So that we can continue growing our coffee production, so we can we can execute in our strategy of uh, selling parchment and selling um, and fermenting the cherry pulps, so that we could generate ethanol, so we can make vodka. Um, our goal is to uh, grow our company, continue growing our company. Like I mentioned, by twenty twenty four, we will have executed on this stage of, of the of of our strategy uh, to be a hundred million dollar company in revenue, thirty four million dollars in in EBITDA and prepare the company for either a sale to a strategic partner or to go and do an IPO by 2026. Our goal based on recent comparables that we've actually seen in the market is that by that time in the execution of our strategy, our company will be worth about a billion, a billion two. Mm. Um, so if you were to invest today in, in our going round, right? And you invest about a hundred thousand dollars, um, you're, forecasting to see a return of about a thousand forty percent so an 11 time multiple um, by when by, by 2026 26 by 26 but if yeah. you go public correct when we go public or we or we go uh, or we sell the company correct that's when we expect that our that our will be at the prime position to be able to do a transaction i'm not familiar with the syndication you're doing you said what was it you called it it's so, a series c so series it, c it, yeah so that accredited we, accredited investors only? accredited investors um preferably absolutely people who are not accredited investors there's certain disclosures okay. that we'll have to make sure that that they are able to execute and sign off um but yeah I mean, when, when you're talking about an 11 time multiple of your investment Given how you look at, especially how difficult right now it is to get an 11 cap rate on real estate right now, how difficult it is to get an, an 11 time return on digital assets or the stock market. Um, here, we're, we're giving you an opportunity to come and invest your money into, again, something that 98% of most Americans and most people in the Western world need as soon as they wake up in order to just be able to function. So we're not saying that, hey, come invest with us in something that has never been tested in the world, that's never been tried out. Like this is, this is coffee. And the, the reason why I think we have the very compelling case and our competitive advantage is that we actually have the entire supply chain. It's ours, right? I own from the moment I get the seed into the Ellen pot and I put it to the nursery all the way through to the ability to um, grow it, farm it, harvest it, wash it, mill it, and then go and sell it into the market. 
So that's really where I think, and I think it's a great opportunity for, for all of your listeners and all of their network and anyone who comes within their network to, to consider participating in, in this Series C. It's a $25 million out of $100 million that we're raising. We're also raising some debt to be able to execute on this strategy and be able to, to get you guys the returns that, that we believe we're able to deliver to be able to give back in the community. Just like I mentioned, a few things that, that, we've, that we've done is that we don't use plastic, no plastic at all, right? We've switched over from fossil fuel to renewable energy to power our, our operations. Uh, we have full control of the supply chain. Um, we have implemented top-notch uh, technology that helps us save thousands of gallons of water in our production per year. We employ large amounts of local staff in Salgar, in rural Colombia, and especially parts of the population that are underemployed and that are at risk, right? So there's an ability not only to be able to, re to uh, receive very high returns, but also be able to do a positive impact right now in Colombia, but also into the U.S. as we look at it, executing the strategy and be able to create jobs here in the U.S. Um, and last but not least, which is part of this uh, of this capital raise, we it's a uh, non-voting equity what you're purchasing, and you gain a 6% cumulative dividend. So you go and invest $100,000 this year, say we don't pay dividend this year, well, now guess what? Your investment is now $106,000 next year, and then it will grow a 6%. It will accrue a 6% dividend next year. We don't pay that the dividend. Now your $100,000, which was 106, went up. So we want to make sure that. So that's like a preferred, that's a preferred return, like when we do exactly. a syndication. So your correct. preferred return is 6%. That's correct. And then, okay, that's pretty good. Well, thank you so much, Jesus, for being here. We're out of time, brother. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom, all your knowledge. Guys, it sounds like a great opportunity. Uh, my my advice is definitely look into it. Go to go to visit uh, legacy-group.co. Check them out. Um, I will tell you that for sure, uh, you know, investments like this work and go check them out. Jesus sounds like, like you know, not sounds, he is very knowledgeable in everything that he just, he just shared with us. And um, go, what, what I'm going to advise my listeners is go look at the leaders, right? Go study about the leaders. And um, I'm sure they got strong leaders. Uh, every company rises and falls with its leaders. Jesus wouldn't be there if they wouldn't be good leaders. Absolutely, there, they are. Right? And again, so, my email is jesus.r at legacy-group.co. Please email me. Happy to set up a call. Happy to answer any questions. Again, anything that we can do, um, please, by all means, reach out. And then again, I really appreciate you for having me over in your show. And I love the show. So please keep up. Thank you, brother. Work. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate it, guys. You've been listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. If you like this episode and you're listening to it, give it a thumbs up or drop some comments and let's talk to Jesus about it. We're going to tag Jesus in here. Jesus can answer your questions. If you have any Absolutely. any thoughts or or uh, concerns, go ahead and, and, and email Jesus directly. He just gave you his emails if you'd like to connect with him. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Really, really appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierridgecapital.com.